other words, they told me that they were suspending me under clause 9.1. Budget to ensure financial stability amid rising costs of everyday living. You have to tell us more about family finance. In today's world, listeners are complex and multidimensional, and it's a little cumbersome to toggle back and forth from channel to channel trying to get your fix. We feel your podcast should be just as diverse as you. Welcome to Fred Talks where the topics are as layered and multifaceted as you are, with a dash of inspiration and a little bit of an edge. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fred Talks, the catalyst for crucial conversations for the culture. I'm your host, Fred B., and today is the day that we choose life by choosing to get life insurance. Death is inevitable, y'all, but it should also be profitable. So Kimberly Evans is on the show today, giving the game away for free, y'all. I wanted to ask the questions that some of you may have. So I literally share all the excuses and misinformation that I personally used to justify my own procrastination, you know, previously with regards to getting the life insurance policy. You'll hear Kimberly Evans dismantle each excuse as she demystifies the processes and she really talks about the policies as it pertains to getting life insurance and getting adequate life insurance and the right type of life insurance. So she's going to help us get our life together, y'all. But first, I got to give you the ground rules. This probably doesn't need to be said, but of course, we're going to say it anyway. The views and opinions expressed on Fred Talks podcast are not to be misconstrued as professional advice, counsel, gospel, a personal attack, law, guarantees, a substitution for hard work, a one-size-fits-all formula for every scenario, or any type of promise. It's a podcast, y'all. Come on. You know you need to consult a credentialed professional before making a hasty or significant change with your life. Don't you? Don't you? Of course you do. Now, be encouraged by the show. Be entertained by the show. Be challenged to cross-examine some of your long-held beliefs. Note, the host and his guests have strong views held loosely. Being committed to lifelong learning means that their perspectives may change in light of information. That's not contradiction. That's evolution. So please, don't come for us. Unless we send for you. Now that we have an understanding, let's get back to today's episode All of right, Fred Talks. Afternoon, Kimberly. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show. How are you? Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be on the show. Oh yeah, I felt like uh, you you were a must-have. So uh, I'm excited oh, for thanks. the interview, and uh, I'm excited for people to hurry up and, and listen to this and then get their life together by getting life insurance in 2019. Or if people listen to this a little bit later. Go ahead and pull the trigger and uh, get the houses in order. <laughs> One of the things I like to do when, um, in the very beginning, when I have guests on the show, especially since the podcast is just just now getting off the ground, it's just kind of frame everything. So this podcast, Fred Talks, is uh, intended to be a catalyst for crucial conversations for the culture. So I want people to be able to turn to, to this station, to this podcast for inspiration, but I also hope to remove some of the obstacles uh, that may be in the way of listeners as they try to live their best life. And one way I try to do that, try to facilitate that is by having subject matter experts such as yourself come on and expose us to either concepts or best practices that we just may not be privy to. You know, sometimes we just don't know what we don't know, especially as it relates to life insurance. We haven't always, this is not something that's always been talked about at the dinner table in our community. Right. And right. You, um, you, and you and your husband, you guys did just that for us. Um, you guys knocked down all the obstacles, all the the mental blocks, 
all these scenarios that we were entertaining that kind of arrested our development. You just entertained them all. You extinguished our curiosity. You took your time and walked us through that process. And so I'm just hoping that you can work that same magic today. And then if people listen to it when it goes live or if they listen a year from now or later, uh, it has that same impact for them. <clears throat> so before we get into learning about the product, learning about policies or learning about your profession, I want people to know about the person behind all of that. And one of the ways I try to accomplish that with, when I have guests on is I try to ask one icebreaker or maybe two icebreaker questions. And I hope that they're telling enough that people feel like they've warmed up to you just by the way you respond. So I know I didn't tell you about this. The idea is that it's impromptu, but are you game for that? I am game for it. Let's do it. Okay. So here it is. Would you rather be without internet for a week or without your phone for a week? Without internet. Really? Okay. What's the thought behind that? Because I can do everything I need to with my phone. I can live without the internet, but the people that are most important to be able to reach me during the day would be Mm -hmm. able to do that through the phone, whether I had internet or not. So I would be completely disconnected without my phone, but the internet I could live without. Okay. All right. All right. My second question, and this, this will probably be my final one. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? But there's a caveat because I already know that you're, you, I, I, I want to discourage you from giving an altruistic answer. I already know you're philanthropic. I already know you're generous. You and your family, you're hospitable. So I already know all that. <laughs> so this superpower cannot be about something that would benefit the world. You know, you can't say I would end world hunger or things like that. I'm I'm sure if it was within your means, you'd already do that. This one is about self-indulgence. What would your superpower be and why? Wow. So something all about me as a superpower? That's Mm -hmm. an interesting take. I don't think I ever thought about that. Um, hmm. I think about it all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I just, because most of everything I focus on is outward. So focusing inward Mm -hmm. is a little different. I think for me, it would be the ability to understand that people have to grow at their own pace and for me to be Mm. better at that. Um, Mm. Because I tend to want so much for other people. I want them to see it. I want them to feel it. I want them to get where they want to be. Um, And so I think for me, the superpower would be to kind of contain that and still remain helpful. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Let's... uh... Let's, let's, let's warm up to you a little bit more. There's some other facts I think people should know about you. Uh, you are not just a life insurance agent, but you're a lawyer as well. Uh, how long have you been practicing law? So I've been practicing law since 1996. Nate, now you're going to make me sound old. For a while. <laughs> For a while, okay. For a while, I, yes. I, okay. Um, I was like, wait, and, I hadn't thought about that. That's a while. Yeah. Yeah, 2000, 2019 now. Woo. To say that out loud? Yes. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. What, so we're going to chalk it up to experience, right? There you go. There you go. What, what caused you to get into uh, the, the, the legal field? So this is actually an interesting story. I actually knew I wanted to be an attorney when I was three. Um, and it came, I was watching wow. an episode of Perry Mason with my grandmother. And I said, well, when I grew up, I want to do that. And I wasn't sure what that was at the time. Um, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So that was kind of always the course. 
And as I got older, I realized the power and ability and opportunity having that education would do for not only my family, but for me to be able to serve others as well. So it just became part of what my life was going to be. Awesome. And so from three till now, like, have you, have you ever second guessed that or you've always had a strong conviction about it coming in? I've never second guessed it. I did change kind of the direction of it. Originally, I thought I was going to probably do a lot more to deal with people. I ended up getting my MBA and then started working really in transactional law um, and kind of shifting from like family law, criminal law, things like that, to more of how do I make sure people understand how things work? So that was probably the biggest shift because I originally thought I was going to argue constitutional law on Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I just debate contracts on a regular basis. So kind of that shift. But the desire and the passion never went away. Have you ever dabbled in the uh, the Capitol Hill space? I have. I actually used to work in the mortgage banking space. I was with Fannie Mae for a while and worked um, on making home affordable when President Mm -hmm. Obama took office. And so I was dealing with D.C., the Department of Treasury, and a lot of politics and politicians as we were building and implementing that program. Okay. So, and, and right now you're dealing with uh, contracts uh, primarily, right? Correct. Yes. I stay in the transactional law space. So property law, contracts, family law, things like that that pertain to people primarily around their money or planning their future. So would you say there's a little bit of an overlap um, with what you do in the legal space and what you do in the life insurance space? 100%. They're almost the exact same thing. So I've had a, I'm up in financial services about 30 years now. And interestingly enough, this piece of it flows right into all the things that I were doing before and all the things that are important to why I started doing in the first place, which is quality of life and understanding information and how it works. So it just fits really, really well, which is why I added it to our company. You're a mom and a wife. Uh, you and your family are amazing. People should know that. What else? Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. What else should we know about Ms. Kimberly Evans before we really get into it? So I think what you just stated, I think people should understand that the most important thing to me in my life is the fact that I'm a wife and a mother. Um, corporate jobs are great. Careers are great. Titles are great. But the things that are most important don't really come with that kind of a title. Um, so in my life, I live it in this order all the time. It's God first, family next and then everything else. And my family includes making sure I take care of myself so that my family can have me to be here to take care of them. So you make that sound so easy, the way that just rolls off the tongue. Um, how, do you, how do you achieve work-life balance? Is it a matter of just being clear on your priorities and you just live that out? Or do you feel like it's sometimes a, it's, it's an ongoing daily struggle to, to, uh, to maintain that? And maybe a little bit of both, but I think it starts with really kind of determining what it is you want to be, who you want to be, how you want to live your life, and then sticking to those core values no matter what. And then shaping everything in your life around that, it really becomes easy to balance um, because you just put everything in order. So that's why for me to say God first, family second, I literally live like that. I speak about it every day. It's just part of who I am. And then everything just kind of naturally flows into that. Once you determine and make up your mind, that's just what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I bet once you, once you make up your mind and then if you, since you've been doing that for so long, I think it becomes easier too, as you, as you walk that out, you know, I I would imagine. It definitely does. Yeah. It becomes easier and you become stronger and stronger at not being moved from it as well. 
So for me, like nobody can block my faith in God and how I live my life, no matter what they say or do. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to come for my family. It's just who I am and what I'm about. So I think it's just important for everyone to decide. And it's different for all of us, right? We all have different priorities, different things that are important to us. But we have to decide what that is and then be strong enough to be steadfast to hold to it. Come on and preach up in here today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the interesting thing is that the other part of this is asking for help when you need it. People can help you do this and people can remind you. And so sometimes we all think that we should somehow know to get there by ourselves. And that's just not true. So when you do yeah. stumble or feel like you're not sure, just ask somebody to help. If people that love you are going to remind you, they're going to keep you grounded. People that are mentors are going to help you stay there and you just get it done. Okay. So you're saying so much and I'm getting pulled in a different direction, but I want to, I want to, I want to flow with that just for a moment. Why do you think it is? Okay. Uh, why do you, well, first of all, do you think that people have a challenge sometimes with asking for help when they need help? Well, let me back that Do people always, are people always aware that they need help? Do you think? And, and when they are aware, why do you think they have a challenge with asking for help or receiving help? So I like the way you reframe that question because part of the challenge is that people don't realize that they need help. We have to be open-minded enough to realize that we have to continually grow and that we may or may not know everything about a particular thing. And so we have to kind of get out of this mental block of, well, I'm here and I'm where I'm supposed to be and that's just the way it's supposed to be, so I'm not going to worry about it. And really kind of spend some time self-reflecting and saying, okay, where am I now? Where do I want to be? For me as a woman, what kind of woman do I want to be? As a man, you know, the same conversation for you. So once you do that, then you realize areas that you can get better. And then the block is really people just don't ask for help because we're not supposed to. We're all trained that way. Um, I'll speak from a woman's perspective, but women are raised and taught and society says you should be able to run your household, be a great mother, be a great wife, have a full-time job. You should never get tired. Your hair should be perfect. Your body should be perfect. Everything should look like this. And women spend so much time trying to live up to that. Then they crack and then everybody goes, what's wrong with you? Because we're Mm -hmm. human beings. We can't live up to all of that, nor should we try. So we don't ask for help because we should be able to measure up to this definition that somebody else came up with. And because we don't, we feel like we're lesser of a person than the reality of it's like, no, in this area, you just need some help. Ask somebody for some help. Yeah. And so when I think that, you know, I can speak from a woman's perspective, but I think men go through the same thing. Oh yeah. I see. So I'm getting way off, but, but I'm going to go there. (laughs) I think, um, I think, I think patriarchy, toxic patriarchy, uh, is debilitating to not just women, but to men too, because it creates this unhealthy um, expectation of what of what uh, manhood is, you know, and and they shut down. They don't they don't receive help because they think that they're not supposed to need help. They think uh, success is um, all about a, a individual role. Um, and then also, I also think that um, you know this whole idea, especially in the black community, you know, strong black women. I know that it's meant to be. A, pray, uh, a remark for praising women for their resilience, uh, for the innovation, their stick to itness, and all these different things. But I can also see how it's harmful because one, you, you shouldn't have to be that strong, you know. And when you lionize someone, you you are you also are kind of dehumanizing. You're making them superhuman, and they don't get the uh, the luxury of being weak of having weak moments and receiving help and receiving protection or receiving or receiving, 
You know, they're expected to carry more than a human being was designed to carry. Do you think there's any, any merit to any of that? I absolutely do. And it's funny you, you took it that route because I often tell people all the time that I'm not bionic. I don't plug in at night time and recharge and suddenly <laughs> I'm a superhuman the next day. Um, mm. I get tired. So when I'm tired, it should be okay for me to say I'm tired. I get frustrated. I should be able to be frustrated and that be accepted. People are human beings. We have all these emotions. We have all these things going on in life. And because we spend so much time trying to be perfect, we forget that we're supposed to be enjoying just the journey of living life. And sometimes that journey is rough. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes you're tired. Sometimes you're not. But you should be able to live in that space and and feel like you're a normal human being and you can be loved and appreciated for being that. Um, and the strong black woman thing, uh, that connotation, depending on who you're speaking to, it's either positive or it's negative. It sounds like it's confrontational, depending on who's sure. saying it. And the mm-hmm. reality of it is, is that strong black woman defined by a black woman would be completely different than if somebody were just saying it out in society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how yeah. we raise our daughters and how we raise you know, our families and what kind of mothers and wives we should be. And, um, you know, and it always leads me back to the Bible because you know, I'm a Christian. But Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, is very clear about how women are built. So some mm-hmm. of the stuff we were meant to do, we are built to do this. It is our role and how God intended it. But some of this other external stuff, rather, um, is just, I'm not even sure who came up with the definitions. I always tell people all the time when they tell me, well, I have to do this. And I'm like, well, who said so? Yeah. And they go, what do you mean? That's just what it is. Well, who wrote that? Where did that come from? Why do you believe so strongly in something and you don't even know the origin of it. Well, that's just how I was yeah. raised. That's the problem. Yeah, question. Yep, yep. Yep. S- similar, similar to you, um, I've had friends will be in conversation. They'll say, oh, I should do this. I should do this. And you can hear the exhaustion in, in their tone. Like, they're already at the end. And uh, mm-hmm. I have to interject. I say, well, um, don't shit yourself. Don't shit on yourself. <laughs> like, who should mm-hmm. are you trying to live up to? You know, make sure right. that, uh, that that it's for you. So. I'm, I'm in total agreement with what you're saying. All right, so you're dropping gems already. Let me uh, let me pivot from there and get back into this life insurance. So, okay. When um, I know where my mind was when I finally reached out to you about life insurance. Um, what was going on in my mind is I, I, there was a sense of urgency, and I really couldn't find any rest until I had a policy in place. In fact, it was nagging me probably for at least a year and a half. I mean, I, it was always it was always on my radar, but it seemed like the urgency just picked up. And it was just this nagging sense, you've got to get, you've got to get. I felt like I was riding with no brakes. And I think the urgency was heightened a little bit because of, of three things that just happened in a very short period of time. You know, I had just purchased another home. Uh, so we moved to Texas and purchased, finally purchased a home in Texas. Uh, I was increasingly aware of how frequent how frequently black unarmed citizens were getting killed. And I think some, I think that may have um, just made me a little bit more paranoid or I use the word paranoid reluctantly, really, because people will try to dismiss your concern by saying, Oh, you're just paranoid. Just because uh, I may be paranoid that somebody's chasing me doesn't mean that somebody isn't chasing me. So that's another conversation. Um, But I was aware of certain risks. Okay. And, And I was, I was, even more aware of my uh, mortality. So, and in fact, that kept coming up as I was discussing the coverage with you. I kept bringing it up. Well, what, if, what happens if this scenario plays out? You know, how is that going to help my family and all these different things? And, and, if, and that's why I'm thinking, like, all these black people out here, especially black people. I mean, I know you, you, you service 
not just one demographic, but I'm like, man, black people, we really need to get life insurance. If we look at some of the stats and we see how our lifespan is curtailed and what type of events curtail our lifespan or affect our quality of life. But I digress. Also thinking, you know, I have a wife and kids, and if I don't do anything else, I feel it's my duty as a man, as a father, and as someone who's just even minimally concerned with legacy building, I got to have life insurance, especially once I get an understanding of how it works in creating generational wealth. It was non-negotiable. It was, it was like, yeah, you, you, you got to get this. Just like you, you need a, more than you need a cell phone, more than you need mm-hmm. some of these other trivial expenses. You got to have life insurance if you love your family, for it. You know, that was the kind of the conversation I was having. Especially now that I got enough gray hair in my beard to prove to me that death is <laughs> inevitable, <laughs> then it should also be possible. Yep. So that was my why. That was my mindset. But, you know, you're in this space. Um, can you share why do you feel people should have life insurance? So I will share this in this way. First, I think that if everybody would stop and ask themselves the same questions that you were asking yourself, and really sit down and kind of evaluate what's important to them in their lives, they would realize that they need life insurance just at the basic fundamental level because their life is of value. One of the things that we talk about often is that we see value in car insurance. We see value in homeowner's insurance. We even insure our cell phones, which cost what used to be a small car now. But the most valuable asset we have, the most valuable asset we have, for ourselves and our families is our own life, but we don't seem to put value on it. And so I think that's where we start. That's part of the why is because if you sit and think about what would happen if you suddenly are not part of your family's equation, what does that do to them outside of just the emotional strain of it all? What does that do to them financially? You're going to want to leave them resources to be able to carry on so that they can actually mourn properly, but not have to worry about how I'm going to eat the next day. How do I take care of my children the next day? What do I want to leave for my family? So those are the first things that we talk about. The other part of it, though, is using life insurance, which we specialize in living benefits life insurance only, using life insurance as a financial tool so that if something should happen but you don't die, because modern medicine keeps you alive, but if you don't pass away, what do you do then? How do you pay the bills then? Having resources to cover that so you don't have to go into bankruptcy or go into foreclosure. But then also, how do you cover the recovery period of time and get your family back to normal? And what does that look like? And then because Social Security is what it is, if none of those things happen, how do you financially carry on while you're retiring? Because you're going to need long-term care of some kind, or you might need some kind of hospital care. How does the family support all of those things without the proper tools? And Living Benefits Life Insurance provides all of that as a financial vehicle as well as a protection on your life. So I think what people need to understand is just like before anybody told us that an iPhone was a smartphone, we never knew about it. As soon as somebody introduced it to us, we all wanted one. The same is true for the financial services industry and life insurance. It's here now. It's different than it used to be. It's the new kind of life insurance, and everybody owes it to themselves to understand what that means. And that's kind of what we do. We educate people on what that means. When you say it's here now, and uh, when when did this how, how new is this phenomenon? So this is what's interesting. Living benefits life insurance has been around for more than 20 years. Mm-hmm. Most people are just starting to hear about it excuse me, because of the work that we do and the people that are spending time educating the middle class primarily, but wealthy people have been using it forever. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's a good place for me to pivot. You said wealthy people have been using this forever. So of all the various vehicles to create generational wealth, how does life insurance compare to some of the common methods? You know, some, some people are more drawn to the stock market. Uh, uh, some people rely heavily on their 401k. And I don't want to lock you into this binary box where to, 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 to uh, paint a picture where it's either or, it's either life insurance or this. But can you just can you just uh, kind of juxtapose these primary vehicles and talk about uh, how life insurance compares to those? You know, people may people Absolutely. may integrate and have. Okay, go ahead. You, you got it. Yeah. No. So what I would say first is that what people need to understand the first thing that they need to ask themselves is do they want strategies that are safe? or strategies that are risky and what their tolerances are for them. Um, because in the stock market space, you're going to be able to make a lot of money, but you could also lose a lot of money. Your 401k is going to be, if your company is contributing to it, that's free money. So you should by all means take advantage of that. But it's also still part of the stock market, so it's also part of the risk side of your portfolio. On the other side of that portfolio is safe money strategies, and that's where life insurance is going to be. So living benefits life insurance is money that you know is going to be there no matter what. What we suggest most of the time is that people sit down and figure out where their priorities are and have a mixture of those types of accounts in their financial planning portfolio. Mm-hmm. What most people do, on the other hand, and we kind of use this example a lot when we're talking to people, when you build a house or you see somebody building a house, the very first thing they do is put the foundation in. Now, after the house is built, none of us go dig on the dirt to find out what the foundation looks like. We don't care. As long as the house stands, we're good, right? So we know it needs to be there. We have to pay for it. But in our financial lives, what we tend to do is we skip the foundational phase altogether. We go straight to the risk, the stocks, the high-profile stuff, the stuff that we're all familiar with because it's advertised ad nauseum. Mm. And when something happens and all of that's gone, we have no foundation in place whatsoever. Mm. Living benefits, life insurance is that foundation. Everybody Mm. needs to have one. And then if you want to do stuff in the risk space, by all means do so. But the money that you know needs to absolutely positively be there for you and your family needs to be in a safe money strategy. And life insurance with living benefits is that strategy. Okay. Yeah. Mm. You're making me think about (laughs) the money one-on-one that I attended and how they really, they really, um, they demystified it even further. Like I walked away understanding just how safe the life insurance policy was. Um, I think one, and I may misquote this, but if, and if I do, just help me and clean it up. But the stock market fluctuates, um, and I could lose. But with life insurance, the, the, the worst that can happen to me is I just break even. Like there's a ceiling, and then there's breaking even. Am I understanding that correctly? You got it 100 right. Okay. You were saying it correctly. So in the safe money strategy side of it, the floor is zero. So you can never lose money in your safe money strategy. And then the ceiling is going to be, depending on what the market's doing, it's about 12%. So what our clients are willing to do is give up some of the upside potential of the market to never, ever worry about losing money again. Every one of us needs to have something that we know is going to be guaranteed. And safe money strategies and living benefits life insurance policies is what that is. Now, let me add this real quickly, Fred, because oftentimes people ask us, well, how is this even possible and why do you talk about this? There is a tax code called 7702 that permits all of these activities to happen. The problem is most of us barely understand income tax, let alone taxes to use for financial planning. And because of that lack of knowledge, 
we're not utilizing these tools as effectively as we could be because nobody's ever taught us how to do it. It's information available to everybody. It works the same for everybody. We just need to understand how it works and utilize that. And that's really kind of what we spend all of our time doing. We interrupt this episode to express our gratitude for your listenership. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a regular listener, we want to deepen our connection. There are a few ways to do that. First, make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And of course, chances are that if you like the show, your friends will too. So be sure to post, share, and repost on all of your social media outlets. Also, don't be shy. Connect with Fred B on Twitter using the handle at Fred Talks, spelled Fred T-A-L-X. After you've completed those two steps, visit the Patreon page at patreon.com slash Fred Talks. Remember, Talks is spelled T-A-L-X. And check out the multitude of ways for you to support. Lastly, if you enjoy the podcast version of Fred Talks, imagine how electric a live Fred Talks session would be. Sure, recordings are great, but... When it comes to value, there are some intangibles that require you to be in a live setting to get full impact. The goal is to begin online via the podcast and ultimately take the sessions offline to do the real work of providing solution-oriented motivational sessions to impact current and emerging leaders of all ages. To get more information about hosting a live Fred Talk session for your staff, students, members, send an inquiry to fredtalks at mail.com to get the conversation started. That's all for now. Let's get you back to the show. So let's talk a little bit about um, excuses, right? Uh, okay. or, or apprehensions or, or let me use something a little bit more delicate. Uh, reservations people might have. So I, I, and I'll talk about myself, uh, I procrastinated with getting life insurance for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, so like I said, I have this gray hair coming in my beard now. It's almost taken over. And <laughs> my hairline, my hairline has, has started running away. And I was like, well, I just got to cut it all off. You know, all these, all these signs like, hey, you are getting older, right? Mm-hmm. So, it, and to me, that's saying, Fred, you don't have as much time as you thought. So have you heard that thought process before people were thinking, well, I got time to get life insurance. I think when you're younger, this is not even something that's really a priority. You know, in my twenties, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it, even though people around me were talking about it. I can't say that no one was ever saying life insurance is important. It just wasn't my priority as a 20 year old. So, so I kept thinking I had time, you know, can you, can you speak to that? And then can you even share any testimonies of people who they have thought they had time? And uh, they didn't. They didn't. They, they didn't. They didn't position themselves well. Do you know any scenarios like that? I do, and it's interesting you say that because my grandmother used to say all the time when we were younger, and everybody said, "Well, you guys are old." And she said, "Well, you keep living long enough, you'll get old too." And everybody would be like, "But I'm not old now." And the reality of it is, we do have this false sense of security based on our age. We think mm-hmm. that you know emergencies and tragedies or bad things can only happen to certain people at a certain age, and so we don't have to worry about it. But I will share with you that we have a client that had a heart attack at the age of 21. Oh, my God. So stress and things like that have no number. They have no age. You don't know what your family history may or may not be. We have several clients that are in their 20s and 30s that have had cancer. So the Mm. myth of our mortality being equating to our age is just that. It's a myth. 
we need to be thinking a little bit broader than that. Um, and so like the client that, you know, was 20, 21 had a heart attack. He had no resources whatsoever to carry on. And his parents didn't think about it either because he's young. So you right. just never know kind of what that is. And just like everybody says, well, I have an emergency fund just in case this happens, or I have, you know, car insurance in case I'm in a car wreck. The exact same thought process should apply when it comes to planning for your financial future as well as your health, your life insurance. You should have living benefits as young as you can get them. Plus, what people should also consider is that you are going to be as healthy as you're ever going to be when you're young. Mm. That is the best time to qualify for anything that's going to be looking at your health because you will be as healthy as you're going to be at the age you are today. So starting Mm. today is the best time to get started. And time is just not the way you measure it. Kind of like that argument about people saying age and maturity. Maturity mm-hmm. is a choice. Age is going to happen as long as you're living. But mm-hmm. maturity is a choice. How you prepare and plan and protect yourself is also a choice, and your age should not be equated to that. That's good. That's good. Dropping gems. You're making it plain. Okay. I'm here, trying. Here's another I'm one. doing my best. <laughs> Here's another one. Again, uh, so I'm not pointing the finger at anyone else. This is another excuse or uh, another thought process I had going on. Um, I thought that the life insurance through my employer was sufficient. And it wasn't until I started thinking about, okay, eventually I'm going to leave this job and get into the entrepreneurial space and I have to move a little bit different that I thought, okay, I need to start looking more closely at uh, life insurance. So can you address the idea that coverage through our life insurance is sufficient? I absolutely can, because here's what happens. And it's not really our thought process is flawed necessarily, as it is the generations before us, the way our economy was set up then was completely different. So it used to be a time when you would be at a job and everybody stayed at the job 30, 40, 50 years, they retired and all the benefits that they retired with went with them. Now people don't stay at jobs that long, whether it's by choice or not, but corporate layoffs are like a thing of everyday conversation. They used to be Mm -hmm. rare. Now they're just like, okay, we got laid off today type of thing. So because of that, people need to understand that benefits that are tied to your employer are great benefits and you should by all means take advantage of them. But you also need to have an entire portfolio in place for living benefits life insurance so that you can, in fact, take that with you no matter who you're working with. It doesn't have to start all over again every single time. It doesn't change. You don't have to have waiting periods based on the employer's waiting periods. Your financial portfolio that you take with you in your personal space goes with you no matter where you're working. So people need to understand that companies, unfortunately, the days of a company being loyal to employees have long passed. And so we need to be thinking beyond the fact that my my employer is going to be providing all the things that I need and really taking some of that into our own hands. Yeah. These, these jobs ain't loyal. And um, I've, I've, they are not. Myself to, <laughs> I, I say that um, I, I, I discipline myself to say, I don't say that uh, I'm going to my job or I'm going, you know, I have my job. This is not my job. This is their job and they will take it. They will uh, mm-hmm. deny my access to their job whenever it makes business sense for them or for whatever reason uh, they want to do that. So, and you said, yeah, and I think people denying. need to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I live with that awareness. Uh, especially now, like you're saying, like things are changing. I mean, not only are things changing as far as like loyalties, but you're seeing brick and mortar businesses uh, shutting down. Right. You're seeing how global we are. So even the competition is, is stiffer. But um, you said something about uh, not having to start over. 
I never even thought about Correct. that until just now. Because the life insurance policy that I have, I won't have to start. The only, only way I would have to start over is if, I guess, I, I go delinquent on my payments and then the policy is canceled and I have to, I have to start over that way. But if I left an employer and I always have to start over, I would never really be able to uh, get a, get ahead or accumulate any wealth, right? And that's the problem right there. Nope, you hit it right on the head. So that's the issue is that when, when you're in full control, you get to decide. When somebody else is deciding for you, then you start all over again. If you think about the fact that they're saying most people are going to change jobs every three or five years, if you remember when you sign up for employee benefits, they tell you, well, this isn't in effect until 90 days. This isn't in effect until the first year. This is a... So you can imagine doing that every three to five years. Not only do you not have life insurance coverage during that time, everything that you were planning financially is starting all over again, and you have nothing to fall back on. And depending on how long you're off work, you may actually be in the hole. So you're spending wow. the time at your new job trying to catch up from what you lost, yeah. which then starts in the head when you could have been planning that. So regardless of what's going on at an employer, you're still fully in control of your financial life. Yeah. As you were saying that the picture came in my mind, uh, like, like you're putting your, you're constantly putting your money in a bag with a hole in it. If you mm -hmm. are leaving it up yep. to your employer. Okay. Okay. Here's right. another excuse. And they get to decide. Change them. And they get to change. Yeah. And, and, and life insurance, something like this is too precious to leave at someone else's discretion. You know, once you start to understand how it all works. Yep. Here's another excuse I had. I didn't want to be hustled. And, and maybe the, I think there's some merit to that. So I don't want to say excuse. I, I sincerely, it's like, man, all of my friends are entrepreneurs. If I scroll down my Facebook timeline, everybody's selling something. So we're in the age of information, but we're also in the age of misinformation. Everybody's selling something, but not everyone has integrity. And so aside, of the, aside from the word of mouth referral that connected me to you initially, the chemistry between, you know, my family and your family, it just really cemented the connection. And once I sat down and talked to you, I mean, you just handled us with great care. You were patient. Uh, you allowed us to ask all these questions. Sometimes the same question over and over, and you didn't make it, you didn't make us feel like we're asking dumb questions or we're being repetitive and just kind of wasting your time. You took, you really took time. with it. So can you talk to us a bit about the process from the initial inquiry to the time that the coverage is actually activated? And because you were so patient, how did you develop um, such a low-pressure, no-pressure approach to providing life insurance? I know I threw a whole bunch of, bunch of out at you, but if I need to repeat some of that, I will. Uh, nope, that's fine. But if you, you allow me to, I'm going to answer the opposite of the way you asked it. So okay. the first part of it, I will say, is that we started Purpose Consulting because quality of life matters. And I have a passion for educating and information. I believe that God blessed me with the gifts that I have because I can take very complicated information and translate it into English so everybody can use it. And so Purpose Consulting was started with that frame of mind and reference is that quality of life matters. And the more information people have, the better decisions they make, the better quality of life they live. And that's different for everybody. So it's important. The other thing that was important to me is I needed my family to be treated well so in my business model, I needed to be able to treat people like they were my family. You don't know what you don't know, but if you don't have anybody to ask and they're not going to take the time to explain it, you're no better for having known them. So one of the things that we talk about is that we are just real people with a real purpose because the way our business model is set up, I don't have any quotas I have to hit. I don't have mm. any sales numbers I have to worry about. I can spend all of my time focused on educating people about how money works, 
go across the entire platform. I often joke and say I'm an ATM somehow or another. I've become all things money. But <laughs> when I see what it does to a family and how it empowers families to not only take care of themselves today, but tomorrow and then for generations, that is why it's easy for us to sit and answer the same questions over and over again. I live in this world, so I should understand it. And I often tell people it is perfectly fine that I understand your money. It's more important that you understand it. So I need to make sure that you see that time. So that is how it's just no pressure that I have to worry about because I'm not up against any kind of deadline or numbers or quotas, number of clients, number of money, any of those kind of things. And my business model allows me to do that. So that's how I was able to spend time. Plus, you get to learn so much from people. And really, like, I understand how important your family is to you just spending time with you. Most of us operate like that. Most of us, our families are the most important thing in the world to us. And so once you get to know a family, it's easy to spend that kind of time. So now to the process, the way it works, because we are education focused, we do things a little backwards. Most companies are worried about signing you up for something. And then after that, if you have questions, you can call them if you want to, but they don't really want to be bothered. We do things a little different. We want to educate you first. And then if there's something that we can do to help, we'll be happy to help you. But we're also going to stay with you forever. So unlike where you get something and you have to call an 800 number, as you know, for you and your family, when you need something, you call us. You call me directly. You can text me directly. And that's just important because we're talking about planning for the long term. And so the process is we educate you. We have, you know, events that you did mention already, and I think we'll talk about a little bit here in a few minutes. But the process itself is literally we educate you. We sit down. We get to know you. We find out what you're worried about what your concerns are, what your goals are, when, why, and how come. Then we come up with some solutions for those goals that you set, not goals I set, but goals you set. And then we just work together and help you get there. And then we just keep working on it that way. And because of that process, it allows you to continue to grow and allows you to protect your family. And as your family grows, we just keep changing with the family. There's two things you said that I want to, I want to zoom in on. You talked about um, how even after we sign a dotted line, how we are still able to reach out directly and contact you and how accessible you guys are. I just want to attest to that, how accessible you guys are. And you guys are, you guys have maintained uh, how helpful you are. So you guys haven't just helped us in the life insurance space, but even after that, and I'm sure you can't, (laughs) I'm not trying to, this is not an invitation (laughs) for everybody to reach out to you for everything else that they need, but I'm just, I just want to reiterate the veracity to what you're saying that yes, you've been accessible You've maintained the same type of uh, hospitality and so forth. And so uh, if anybody is on the fence about who they should reach out to, obviously I had you on the show because, you know, this is my endorsement. I really believe. Do you feel that uh, there there are times where people are not, they don't have any goals until you sit down with them and you kind of help them think consciously about the direction of their life? Absolutely. Um, So thank you for the endorsement first. I mean, we appreciate that, but um, I think it gets back to kind of what our earlier conversation was about community. It's like one of the reasons we don't know as much as we don't know is because people won't share. So if you have access to things that other people don't know, share it with them, help them. If we can do that as a community, then we're all better for it. So thank you for that. Um, and so, yeah, I will say that we oftentimes will sit down with people that didn't even know they had a question until they sat down with us or until they've yeah. come to one of our events. And so, What will happen is as we start talking, then they go, I never even thought about that. And it gives us the opportunity then to even get them in the space of 
yeah, let's think about where you want your life to be. No, the same kind of conversation about like, what kind of man do you want to be? What kind of woman do you want to be? Where do you want to be financially? And when do you want to get there? And so a lot of times, yeah, people don't have any goals. A lot of us, sadly, um, and me and my husband have this conversation all the time. A lot of us are just existing. We're just trying to get by. We're just getting over. We're doing just enough. We don't dream or think ahead of time. And we don't even know that we can or that that's an option. And then when we speak to them, we're like, you know, you really could do this, that, or the other, or you can do whatever you really decide to do. We can figure out how to get there. And then suddenly a light bulb goes off, and we we really focus on trying to transition people from existing to living, whatever that looks like. But how do you live? Where's that peace for you? And how do we, you know, the peace and joy of just being alive and enjoying the days as they come, how do we do all of that? That's good. That's really good. That, that, that brings me to my next point about you, you said sometimes people are just existing. They're not dreaming. Um, you said sometimes people don't know what they don't know until they sit down with you. And that brings me to the next excuse that I had. Um, I had a mental block um, before I even really explored life insurance. I mean, cause you know, when you get hired with an employer, you go through the new hire orientation and you, sometimes you're just checking boxes. You don't, you don't have any other point of reference to contrast, with whatever they're offering. So, you know, I'm just, okay, cool. I got life insurance that comes with this. That's great. And I didn't, I didn't know the quality of the life insurance. I never really considered it. Right. Um, so then when I started thinking differently, I said, well, I probably can't even afford life insurance because if it's going to have this type of harvest, surely it's going to cost me this much up front or along the way. And it's going to be over my head. This is the internal conversation that I had. And I just kind of talked myself out of it. So now looking back, I wish I would have gotten life insurance, you know, gotten a policy when I turned 18 or earlier, mm-hmm. but at least 18. So can you talk a little bit about why thinking that we cannot afford life insurance is really just a limiting belief that has little or no merit? And then also, can you talk a little bit about the time horizon, which you alluded to earlier, you know, uh, why or how does it benefit us to get life insurance earlier? I think you said it earlier, but if you could just kind of reiterate that. Absolutely. So let me say this about limiting beliefs or just kind of the way our society works, right, is that advertisers that have enough money get to pour into us whatever they want us to know. And most of us Mm. never take the time to question it. So what we end up doing is operating on what either somebody else has told us or we've heard somewhere, but we really never have an opportunity to get outside of that space. And then the days of information that we live in, that is just on overload. It's on super overload. And so what happens is we just grow up with what we know or what we've seen or what we've heard. So there's a couple of things that people believe, one of which is that they have to have money to make money. So they feel like they can't start because they don't have enough. And the other is that it's going to take so long or it's small interest rates or it's not going to grow fast enough. And so we have all these preconceived notions based on not facts, but just because that's what we've heard or what somebody else has told us um, that we just don't move forward. And so the problem with that is that those are both not true. Small amounts of money over a period of time at any interest rate is going to help you grow and reach what you want. Life insurance with living benefits is literally a financial tool that people use to pass generational wealth, but none of us have ever heard that before. And so the reason education is so important and why people should be asking all these questions is because it's extremely affordable. It's pennies on the dollar. Matter of fact, it's less than what most people are spending at Starbucks on a given month. And Mm -hmm. Once they understand it, understand the power about it, and get the questions answered without the pressure of having to be sold something, they will find that there was really no reason for them to have those beliefs at all. And they'll be encouraged to then share with other people 
to come. Ask the questions. Find out so you understand exactly where you want to be and don't end up at the end of the road saying, man, I wish I would have known or I wish I would have done, which is what happens to a lot of us after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so then what Um, I was talking about earlier about the age thing mm -hmm. is that um, the problem is, is that we don't understand how money grows in our country. We don't understand really how our economy works. Um, so we don't understand that the younger we get started, not only with getting living benefits, life insurance, because our health is healthier, we don't understand the power of how our money is going to grow if we start earlier, even with small amounts of money. So the reason we need to educate people in that space is because the earlier they start saving money, the longer it has for it to grow and the faster they can reach their goals when they want to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about how the money um, how the money grows um, and affordability. H- how are um, the rates uh, determined? I mean, so there are a couple of factors that go into the rates um, mm-hmm. for any particular individual. It's going to be obviously their age. We're going to look at how much money they're wanting to, to spend. And then we're going to look at, um, you know, the interest rate that they're going to be operating in. So there are several options in those spaces. But it's a triangle that's the same for everybody. It's time, interest rate, and the amount of money. And so we determine that, and then everybody is based on their budget. So it's important that people understand that when you're not being sold something or when we're talking about your goals, we're also going to be talking about your budget. What does that look like for you? And then what do we work with there? And the beautiful thing about the way this process works is that you then just grow with your own goals. So every year you just reevaluate to where you are and then go again. And you just keep going through that process until you reach the goals you have. Mm-hmm. Here's another excuse. Um, and this wasn't necessarily my excuse, but I imagine uh, some, some people who are, who might listen to this later, this is something that they wrestle with. Some people don't want to go through the hassle of having a medical exam to qualify them for life insurance, or they don't want to go through the, the embarrassment or the disappointment, you know, Hey, I had this exam and sure, they just confirmed what I already knew. I'm not eligible to buy a policy. So they think that their health is so poor that they're going to automatically be disqualified. Can you tell us why that might not be necessarily true? And so I often say this all the time um, when I'm dealing with anybody is make people tell you no. Don't determine mm-hmm. the no ahead of time. We mm-hmm. tend to prejudge where we fit in something all the time. We do it financially. We do it physically. So your health may be a limiting factor, but it may not be a factor that determines that you don't get any coverage whatsoever. And part of our job is to take all that information and then go find the proper coverage for you. So before people decide ahead of time that they're not going to qualify or they can't get it, they really should let us go through their research to find out and not confirm it. They may find out that they were completely wrong and all this time they've been living in a box that didn't even exist. That didn't even exist. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, I know and the nice thing is about well, the way we work, we work with, um, I'm sorry, but we work with several companies, so we can look at any companies. There are 960 companies in this country, so mm-hmm. I think um, before I forget this thought, most people think they can't qualify because all they know of is the big companies, and they've heard somebody else say that. But yeah. there are so many options available, and for those of us that are in the industry, that's kind of what our job is, to help our clients figure out you know, what is available for me? There are alternative options to what we know as a status quo. So if we can stop living in the status quo, we might be surprised about what we have available to ourselves. Can we stay there for a minute? And can you share, does any, does any story or any scenario with any client come to mind where they thought 
they entered the conversation with you thinking that they're disqualified and they were pleasantly surprised to find, you know, that they got a policy or how much of a policy or coverage they, they were able to receive by working with you? Does anything come to mind? Oh, absolutely. I actually have without... it. Okay, go ahead. I, I didn't want, I didn't want you yeah, to, nope. I didn't want you to, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm an attorney, you know, I'm never going to incriminate anybody. Okay. So, All right, cool. But I, I, I will say that I do have a client that actually is a cancer survivor. Um, and everybody before she and I sat down and talked had told her that she would never, ever be able to receive coverage because she had cancer. So the best thing she could do is just try to save as much money as she could and pray that somebody will take care of her when she gets older. Well, after we sat down and kind of went through her medical records and went through where she was today, she was in full remission. She had been out of um, the cancer scare for about five years or so, and she was living a healthy life. Her doctors saw no reason that she wouldn't have a healthy, active life. And so we were able to get her coverage. Um, and, and and the funny thing is that when I was able to deliver her policy to her, she actually cried because she had believed mm. up until she started working with me that she was just out of luck because she had cancer. And so I, I just, I really want to encourage people to just have the conversation. I mean, if you already assume the no, then another no won't kill you, but you may be assuming mm. the no incorrectly. That's good. That's good. And I bet that's got to feel good for you to be the, the bearer of good news. Yeah, news. honestly, it's my favorite thing about what we do. It's my favorite yeah. thing. Helping yeah. people and watching their lives change right before your eyes is the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this. Can, so everyone should have a policy. Can everyone buy a policy? Yep, everybody can. Depending on what type of policies they want and what their goals are, there's always some parameters that will fit everybody. So anybody is available to do it and set it up. And that's kind of one of the things we help people with is, you know, where are you? What do you want to do? But then kind of what fits for you based on where you are right now. So um, in talking with you and your husband, you, uh, both of you, you guys hit this to the game and shared with us the benefit of putting life insurance, getting a policy for our five-year-old and our six-year-old. Can you share with listeners the benefits of putting life insurance on your children? How does that benefit them, like me as a parent? And then does that benefit anything? Does that benefit my children at all? So, yeah, so let me say this first, because, again, it gets back to my beliefs that in the Bible, it says that we measure our success by our children's children. Mm -hmm. The only way we can do that is by setting our children up for success so that they can then in turn set up our grandchildren for success. So what happens in our country is that we don't want to believe that we're ever going to lose a child. And we think it's horrible when it does happen, but it does happen. So families need to be prepared for that because you're not going to be right for a while, even if you are able to go back to work. But you still have to deal with all the things that go that way. But even if your child does not have anything that happens to them while they're growing up, starting them saving and having living benefits while they're young, again, they're as healthy as they're ever going to be. It's easier for them to get coverage later, and it stays with them for their entire life. So now you've started them on a path that they can continue on into their adulthood And again, they don't have to then start from scratch. The other thing about the savings component of all of this conversation is that children have so long for their money to grow that even if parents start them with small amounts, the time it takes for their money to grow is astronomical. Um, And I'll give you an example. We have um, a nephew that is, he's 18 months old, almost two years old now. We started his policy before he was a year old. If he keeps contributing just at the amount we're all contributing now, not even adding anything to it, when he is 65 years old, he will have $6.2 million. Hey. 
Hey. So you talk about changing generational wealth and changing mm-hmm. legacy. He will be the first millionaire in our family simply because we just started him before he could even walk. Man. So even at ages five and six and ten, the kids can start saving money and set themselves up on a path so they are financially independent and stable well into their adult lives. And then the other powerful tool for kids is that they can use this money for college, but if they don't go to college, they can actually use the money to put down on a house someday or to do something else with it. And most parents understand 529 plans, but they don't understand the options or alternatives to a 529 plan. And those are the things that we talk about. So that's why we talk to you guys about it with your kids, because it's going to set them up for success before they even know they need to be set up for success. Yeah. Okay, let me um, let me try to throw a curveball at you, only because I think you can handle it anyway. Um, we talked about <laughs> we, we talked about you know parents getting coverage for themselves, parents getting coverage for their children. What about me, uh, somebody, somebody in my shoes, and they may have an elderly parent? Can is it ethical or legal for me to put a policy on my parents who may not have coverage? Absolutely. So we have a lot of clients that will get coverage for their parents. Mm-hmm. and help their parents pay for it if they need to, just for whatever the circumstances that might lead to that. Here's what I ask people all the time. As a child, if your parents are not properly covered, are you prepared to support them financially? Mm-hmm. And vice versa is true. As a parent, would you want your kids, are your kids in a position to take care of you if they needed to? Yeah. yeah. And the interesting thing is that most of us are not. So then... I mean, I'll use our family as an example. You know, our kids are in their 20s, late teens. So if something were to happen to us right now, they would have to figure out how to financially take care of us, which means now they have to put their own lives on hold and or their own plans and dreams to be able to figure out how to take care of mom and dad. Now, our kids aren't in that situation because we've set it up so much so that they could actually even hire a nurse and put them in our own house so that they could go about living their own lives. So both people need to think about what that looks like. And, yes, it's important that family members have the conversation. And if you're in a position to help your parents and your parents vice versa help their kids, we should by all means be doing that. And we don't like to talk about it, but uh, I think there's a measure of resentment that might come with that. You know, sure, you're mourning, you're, you're grieving, but you got to feel a way about it, especially if it's the child and the parent. You feel like as a child, even if you're an adult child, you feel like my parents should have been looking out for me. And here it is. Mm-hmm. I have my children, and 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 Lord knows these children eat up all the groceries. They got all these extracurricular activities. Like raising your own children are, is expensive. You're just now getting some momentum with your own life, and then that's a heck of a blow. Mm-hmm. You have to. I mean, sure, you love them, you want to do it, but I think the resentment comes in when it's like I just don't have it, and I'm taking food out of my kids' mouth to take care of someone who I thought would have been taking care of me or at least just taking care of themselves, you know? Uh, and I'm just saying that for the benefit of somebody else who might be listening and they don't want to say it. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it for you. So play this, you know, for whatever <laughs> room you need to have that conversation. In. Um, okay, so, yeah. so if you'll give me the, the, the freedom to be extremely candid, um, sure. I think that it is completely selfish of parents not to prepare for their kids to be able to take care of them. Because it does put them in a financial burden. So, And I, I can speak to this from both sides. We've had to take care of a grandmother. We've had to take care of sick mothers, you know, all while raising children, everything. And not only is it difficult, but sometimes it makes us feel like we're a failure because we should have been able to take care of them. 
So you've got this whole rush of emotions. Um, and, and some of it is really honestly selfishness and greed. It's like, well, I don't want to help them or let them help me because I don't want them to come up or be ahead of me or have something I don't have. And that thought process is so flawed yeah. that if we don't start having these conversations for real, I mean, think about it. You're the perfect middle. So you have parents that are still alive. You have small mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. Now, if your parents need something, now you're trying to take care of them. Your kids need you. You're trying to take care of them. You still need to take care of and live your life. So now you're miserable. You're stressed out. You end up having a stroke or a heart attack. Now you have no money to take care of your parents or your kids. All when we could have sat down and had a conversation and resolved all of that and put all of those strategies in place so that mom and dad are taken care of, the kids are taken care of, and you get to actually live life. And I think that's a fair conversation, and I think it's unfair for parents to guilt their kids in or to burden their kids, because that's how I feel. I don't want to burden our children Mm -hmm. with the worry of how to take care of us while they're trying to live their own lives. I just think that's rude, so I make sure it doesn't happen. The same is true for my parents. You know, they should have been prepared to make sure that we would have the resources we needed to take care of them so that we could keep living our lives. But a lot of people will end up going bankrupt or end up struggling financially because of these financial burdens that could have been planned for. So I hope that wasn't too candid or too mean, but it's just it's just real talk and real life, and it happens. Yep. And everybody always says, well, it's not going to happen to me, but it happens to people every day. It happens to and Yeah. yeah. No, I think it needed to be said, and I think it, uh, it'll it's, – hopefully it serves as a catalyst. Like, hopefully um, – like, hopefully because you said it, maybe somebody could be riding in the car and just, hey, let's just listen to this episode, and you said it, and now they can start – you know, it breaks the ice and helps them address the elephant in their own. Yeah, I think it definitely needs to be said. Well, let me say this. You know the old adage or the analogy people always say, well, talk is cheap? Mm -hmm. Well, let me put a different spin on talk is cheap. In this case, talk is cheap. It costs you pennies on the dollar to take care of your family, so have the conversation. Oh, there it is. Um, Let's let's talk about this. Uh, Your setup uh, with with, with your – the way you you and your husband move around is unique because you guys are licensed to help people, not just within the state of Texas. Like I live in the state of Texas. I was able to just reach out to you directly, but there may be somebody listening who's like, okay, she sounds like she's on her game. I'm convinced I need to do this. I don't want to go talk to someone else, but they don't live in Texas. So if listeners wanted to reach out to you and buy a policy, what states are you authorized already uh, to service? So I'm currently licensed in 14 states. So it will take a minute to kind of list them. So I will say to anybody that is listening to this that no matter what state they live in, if I'm not already licensed in that state, I can get licensed in that state. We can help anybody in anywhere. So um, the main states that we're licensed is obviously Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. We have California, some of the bigger states. But we will help anybody anywhere and find the resources to get it done. Okay. Okay. All right. So – we're going to try to bring this thing to a close, but if you could leave us with two uh, two thoughts pertaining to life insurance, what would those thoughts be? And then after that, I'm going to ask you to just plug yourself, let us know where we can reach out to you, what events we might want to be mindful of, and any 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 other thing that you think um, we need to make sure gets heard. Sure. So the first thing I would say about life insurance is that it's not for death, it's actually for life. It's for your quality of life, the way you want to live your life, and how you're going to take care of you and your family. The second thing I would share is that life insurance is a powerful financial tool, 
that if people set it up properly, they could use it. And so those two things are really, really the core of why understanding how life insurance works and how you can use it in your family are critical. All right. So can you close us out by telling us a couple of things? What are some events we could attend uh, either virtually or live to learn, to learn more about this? If we, if we had more questions or if, you know, this sparked our interest, now I, w- I want to go deeper. Is there anything else I could follow up with? Absolutely. So the first thing I'll say is that we do our business a little different. Like I said, we do education first. So we have an event called Money 101, which you mentioned earlier in the show that you've actually attended. And then we have another event called Wine, Women, and Wealth. And those events are hosted in 46 different states right now. So pretty much anybody anywhere can attend one of our events and be able to get access to this information. Again, we don't do registrations. There's no talk of products and there's no sales. It's literally for them to come and just get the education in an environment where they can feel comfortable, where they can ask questions and then whether they can see how far they want to go after the fact. So those are the big things. We also do a lot of appointments via Zoom and via um, webinars and things like that. So if somebody's interested in getting more information, we can set them up that way and get them plugged in. And then we can obviously do phone calls. So what I really would encourage people to do is if you can get to Money 101 or Wine Women Wealth, and if you need the information, reach out to us and let us know, I'll plug you in. If not, Schedule some time to talk to us. Whatever you do, don't wait and say, well, there's nothing close or I can't reach them or I have no events I can attend because all of that information is available. Okay. Now, if uh, if someone is moved and needs to get, uh, get, get covered right now, how can they reach you? They say, I got to sit down. I got to crunch these numbers. I got to figure out what type of policy fits me. I need to reach out to Kimberly. How would they reach out to you? So they can actually email us. Um, directly at info at purposeconsulting.com and purpose has a D on it. So it's purpose consulting. They can also call me directly. I actually do give my direct number out because I just don't think people should be passed around forever. So they can reach me at 214-938-6350. And then like with any company, we are obviously very connected on social media. So it might be easier just for them to go to purpose consulting on either Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and we will be available there so they can send messages or reach out to us that way as well. Right on. All right. So before we get out of here, anything else, uh, anything else you have coming up, anything else that we didn't cover that you think is pertinent uh, that needs to be said before we sign off? No, I, I think I would end with just encouraging everybody. The information is free. So don't wait, don't hesitate, start asking the questions now and keep asking the questions until you understand it. I think people will find themselves in a much happier place and a better financial position if they will just start asking the questions. So call, email, reach out, get involved, and let us help you get to your goals. Right on. Kimberly, thank you so much for coming on to the show, dropping these gems, and just really spelling it out for us, making it plain. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And just like that, it's a wrap. Another episode for the archives. Do you like it? Do you feel it, though? Did anything resonate with you? Did it motivate you? So now what? What are you going to do about it? What's your next move? Share your thoughts by emailing fredtalx at mail.com 
or connect on Twitter at Fred Talks, spelled Fred T-A-L-X. Tune in next time for some more gems.